Kevin Durant and the Nets knock off the Cavaliers. Are they a serious title threat again? Who's the best team in the Western Conference? Is there the best in the Western Conference? Plus, are the Lakers wasting the final years of LeBron? All that and more on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can check out a live version of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. L O C K E D O N. That's pricepicks.com, promo code locked on. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and co-host over at Locked On Nuggets. Joined by David Ramil of Locked On Heat. You can find him on Twitter at DRamil13. And David, we had an exciting night in the association post-Christmas. Hope your holiday was good. Are you ready to get started as we break down a couple of the key topics in the NBA this week? Absolutely. Always ready to talk basketball with you, Matt. So on today's show, we're going to talk about the Nets win over the Cavaliers. Big headliner from Monday night. We will talk about the Western Conference and about the fact that the, trying to figure out the favorite in the West is really tough. So we're going to ask that question of who should be the favorite to come out of the Western Conference. And the final segment, an article from The Athletic has us asking the question, are the Lakers wasting LeBron in the final years of his career? We'll talk about all that and more on today's show. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, the... Brooklyn Nets go into Cleveland in the first game after Christmas, and they get a 125-117 victory. Kevin Durant with 32 points on 10 of 18 shooting, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. Kyrie Irving chips in, 32 points on 11 of 19 shooting, 7 threes for Kyrie in this one. 5 assists, 4 boards for Irving. Uh, Ben Simmons, okay, so 4 points, 2 of 5 shooting, 8 assists, 9 rebounds. He was a plus 23, and I can't tell you the defense really did make a difference. Like His defense, I thought, was terrific against the Cavs. Uh, TJ Warren popped in another 23 points on 9 of 14 shooting. They got contributors all over the floor in this one. They have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 players in double figures for the Nets. Meanwhile, on the Cavs side, Donovan Mitchell just goes 5 of 16 for just 15 points in this one. The defense really bothered him. Uh, Darius Garland, however, stepped up and went for 46 and 8 on 14 of 20 shooting, but there just wasn't enough there with the Cavs because even though they shot 48% from the field and 36% from three, the Nets shot 57% from the field and 60% from three. David, like I've been talking about the, the Nets for a while now. This is a team I've railed on that I have yep. called a joke and, and all this stuff. And it's true. But look, while Kyrie was out, this team was able to find itself. Like when all the attention got off of them, they were able to figure out who they are. Jacques Vaughn is a certifiable upgrade over Steve Nash. I, I kind of think the Nets are a serious threat to not only win in the regular season, but I, I seriously think this team can win the title. It'll come down to matchups and a series of other things if if they can avoid any more drama, which we know that they're great at. I think that's fair. I, I don't think I don't have a problem with considering them a contender. I mean, you've got an MVP level candidate in, in Kevin Durant. And I don't think enough people are talking about him. Like you think of, you know, voter fatigue, right? That's always how it comes down to when it comes to superstars and players that have done it for so consistently. But in the case of Durant, I think there's kind of just a, a general 
player fatigue? Like you were kind of like, we, we've talked about this before. Like how do you accept Kevin Durant and where does he fit in terms of his legacy? But he just continues to be so good that you're kind of just like, you ho-hum through these incredible stat lines. You just rattled off that he went for 32 points against a pretty solid defense. And we've just kind of come to, you know, accept that that's just the norm for him. And and he's just playing at an incredible level this year. He's been the steadying factor through all the drama. He just continues to hoop, right? This is just who he is. And he's just been so good, but they're getting these incredible performances from Kyrie, who's weathered the storm. Uh, you have so many bench players stepping up role players, finding their pattern, finding their rhythm in the superstar-led team. And you've got to give credit to Jacques Vaughn. I, I did not expect him to be the kind of steadying influence that he has been. I don't know if he's done anything in terms of rotations or X's and O's that has made them made him marketably better than Steve Nash. But at least in terms of managing these egos and getting them to focus on what's most important, basketball, he's done an amazing job. Winning 13 to 14 straight, they're contenders in my eyes. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be. It's interesting to me that the Cavs got two wins versus the Celtics. And then they've struggled. They are two and one. They're one and two versus the Bucks. And then they dropped this one to the Nets. So like, there's still a high level of parity. I think it will come down to matchups. What I think is most interesting about this one maybe is that this is a so this is a road game in Cleveland. One of the big strengths, or uh, the, obviously the big strength for the Cavs is their size, right? They got Jared Allen and Mobley yeah. on the interior. The big weakness for the Nets is on the interior, right? And then the Cavs. Uh, the other kind of strength for them is their defense. This is the second best defense in the NBA this season. And the Nets hung 125 on them, including 57% from the field and 30% and uh, 60% from three. Uh, they shot 60% from three as a team, including 18 made. Uh, and a lot of that was Kyrie having a night. Like that's to me, this is kind without of Joe Harris too. Yeah. Without Joe Harris to me, this does kind of get into the volatility though. Right. It's like, yeah, if Kyrie has one of those nights, you're going to lose especially the question is in the playoffs, how many of those are they going to get? I do try and think about in the playoffs, when you look at a series, how many games can you count on as being like the this game, right? Like there will be two games in a net series and an average net series. It wasn't the case last year with uh, how that Celtics series unraveled from the game one. But usually you're going to get like two games where Kevin Durant just carries you. Like Kevin Durant was the best player on the floor and you lost because Kevin Durant was amazing. Okay. Can Kyrie get you two more? Can he get right. you one? If he gets you one game where it's like, yeah, Kyrie just went off and they couldn't keep up, the Nets might be able to just find a way to get to that last one with a combination of their switching defense and you know, role players stepping out. Utah Nobby's had a great season. Patty Mills is still there, et cetera. That's probably like the formula for the Nets, but that it really does kind of for me hinge on Kyrie. When Kyrie looks like this and he's locked in and he's in, you know, uh, when he's playing basketball. Um, then he is still a guy that with the, the underpinnings that they built, this to me is the most impressive thing. It doesn't, it no longer feels like the nets are being carried by their superstars, which was kind of like how the model yep. was presented. It's just like, those guys are going to do everything. And then there's a bunch of other dudes. It feels like a, a team, but like they have good chemistry. They have good camaraderie. Nick Claxton lost his minutes tonight and had some rough spots, but in general, Claxton has been like DPOY level, right? Yeah. You have you know Claxton and Ben Simmons playing at a very high level defensively. You have all these guys that can make plays. So there really is kind of this opportunity, I think, for them to uh, get a win and uh, make a run in the playoffs long-term if they can get what they, they need from Kyrie Irving. 
what's your bigger concern with this off the court issues cropping up or like in terms of you know any other controversies that might stem during the last few months of the season or injuries because I, I think that's a big concern also right if there are Kevin Durant injury yeah. from completely derailing their season I know you can say that for any team led by any singular great superstar like the you know like Durant but in terms of off the court versus on the court possibility and potential for injury which is a bigger concern for you Probably the off the court, only because I do think Kevin's. I think KD's probably going to have another injury just because he's had them each year since he came back from the Achilles. He's yeah. over thirty, like he's in his mid thirties. That's what happens. He played. He's got a lot of minutes on him. I think it's okay for him to miss some time, but I think they'll probably weather that. I think that for me, the off court stuff is much more of a concern. That it's game two, like you're going into game three on the road, and it's one one, and it's a a 10 series and then Kyrie posts something and there's, <laughs> and there's controversy right. and it becomes a circus. This team needs to be able to operate. They've thrived when they've been under the radar and focused. And that makes sense that where most teams are at their best. So, but I do think this team is not built for the spotlight that I don't, I don't, I don't believe that they're built for the spotlight. I think that's when they start to wobble a little bit. So um, we'll see what happens as they continue to get attention as they continue to get better and better. But um, they're still not a team that I fully trust, but they're also not a team I can count out at this point in the season. Where do you rank them in terms of the Eastern Conference? Like you've got Boston and Milwaukee, clearly the top two, Philadelphia, Cleveland, et cetera. But they're right in the mix, aren't they? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it depends on how we how to qualify this as like right now or playoffs. Because if we're talking about odds to win the title, probably fourth. I'd probably, I'd probably put them fourth or fifth, depending on how I feel about the Sixers on any given day. Um, maybe about how I feel about the Cavs. This is a pretty impressive performance. I will tell you the regular yeah. season right now, um, I have a power rating that I use for the betting side over at Action that factors in transition and half court. I have the Nets number one in the NBA right now. Like, that sounds crazy, but that's where the numbers have, have popped out. That's just a model projection. So I think that they're still underrated. I don't think they will be forever given their market and their stars, but... Yeah. Um, there's something something really dangerous. They're, this is a dangerous team. <laughs> They're two games back of Boston. Like who would have expected I know, it's that? Crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. After all that, Boston's still and but yeah, we'll see if Boston can right the ship after that blip that they suffered. Um, so we, we looked at two contenders in the Eastern Conference with the Cavs and the Nets. In the second segment, we're gonna take a look at the Western Conference and ask the question who should be the favorite? We'll talk about that when we return on Locked On NBA. But first, I need to tell you about prize picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. It's super easy to use. It's such a great app, and the way that it's played is different from all the other games that you're going to play. You just pick two to six players, and if they'll score more or less than their Prize Picks projections, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against any other people. It's just you versus the projections available. So you're not having to build 1,800 lineups to compete with a million people. It's just you versus the numbers. Price picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football and basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf. Nothing I like more than a good disc golf prop. Euro basketball, cricket, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that e easy. And they offer safe and what fast withdrawals. They're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. 
If you deposit 100, prize picks will give you 100. If you deposit 50, prize picks will give you 50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Second segment here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. Make sure that your second listen after making us your first listen is Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter to the biggest stories in sports, get insight you can only find from Locked On's network and huge array of local hosts. Check it out at Locked On Sports today, wherever you get podcasts. All right, second segment here with David Ramil. So, David, you had, I wanted to ask this question because I do think it's, it's pretty fascinating. In the past three weeks... We have seen the Phoenix Suns be the one seed. We've seen the New Orleans Pelicans be the one seed. We've seen the Memphis Grizzlies be the one seed. And now, as of Sunday night, after their win and the Grizzlies' loss, the Denver Nuggets are now the number one seed in the Western Conference. And you've asked this question, and I think it's a good one. Um, Who should be the favorite in the Western Conference to win it this season? I don't have a clear answer to that. And that's kind of why I wanted to have this discussion. I was asked this over the holidays. You know, people talk to me about basketball because I so you know, a little bit about the game. So they were like, so who's going to represent the West? And I go, you know what? I have no idea. Basically pointing to what you just said. All of those teams have their strengths. All of them have their weaknesses. And, of course, there's always the potential for a trade deadline move or an acquisition of the buyout market or something like that that could propel these teams even further. Although I tend to think that those buyout acquisitions have less of an impact than most fans do. But having said all that, I don't know that there's any clear favorite right now, which is kind of exciting, right? This is the fun part of of basketball. That Here we are in December and that you have so many teams that are pretty evenly matched there. And depending on matchups could easily advance past the Western Conference into the NBA Finals. At this point, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of likely to think that it's the Denver Nuggets. I, I think they have as strong a case as anybody. But I don't know that we can dis- this is easily dismiss the Golden State Warriors. Like They're going to get Steph back, gets back at some point. They're still a strong contender. We've seen them you know, over the years be as good as a team as any. And here we are not talking about them in December yet again because, you know, it's kind of a ho-hum regular season for them. But they'll figure it out. I don't see any reason why we would dismiss them. Um, I, I I don't know. I, you cover the Nuggets. You know them better than anybody. You were covering that incredible win on, on Christmas Day. Do you think that they're clearly the better team in the Western Conference at this point? Or is it something that they can sustain throughout the regular season and into the playoffs? I think... Oof. <laughs> I think the Nuggets are I think the Nuggets are, are not paper. I don't think that they're like the Utah Jazz. I don't think that they have fatal flaws that prevent them from getting forward. Like this has been a frustrating narrative. Um, not as somebody that covers the Nuggets, but as just somebody that covers the league. The idea that like the Nuggets are not playoff certified is ridiculous to me. Uh, hmm. they made the second round in their first playoff appearance in 2019. They made the conference finals in 2020. They made the second round in 2021 without Jamal Murray. They lost in the first round to the eventual champions without two starters with Jeff Green and Austin Rivers starting last year. 
And yeah, like that was the one where they lost in the first round. Like the Nuggets, Nicole Yoga just won playoff series. The Nuggets have won playoff series. So like they're playoff certified to me, but it, I think it does come down. To, it's going to come down to matchups and it may be very tight. Um, what's interesting, I think, is the market. So the books, uh, sports books all have, there's a, a little bit of disparity, but the consensus has kind of been closer to like Phoenix, the Clippers yeah. and the Warriors. There's kind of this idea that those teams are, I think because, you know, those three teams obviously have either, well, not the Clippers haven't, right? Like the Clippers haven't made a finals and yet they're in that conversation. Suns have made the finals. Warriors have won four titles. Pretty easy to see why the Warriors would be there. I think right. maybe if we're going to do this, the easier thing for us to do, David, might be like process of elimination. So Spurs, Rockets, not going to win. Um, you're with me on the Lakers are not going to win the title. We agree on that? I yeah, I can't see that happening. Uh, barring any major acquisition, right? Like, I mean, they, we're right, talking about we're go, we'll talk about LeBron in the next segment, but Anthony Davis is going to miss a significant amount of time, so I'd say they're very very unlikely to do so. Yeah, all right. So let, let's toss them out. Let's toss Thunder. Okay. I'm willing sure. to toss out the Timberwolves. Don't think they're going to get there. They're just not. They're just not no. the year. Um, Portland, we're going to go ahead and remove. Warriors are the 10 seed. We'll go ahead and put them in. They can definitely win the title. Um, Jazz, no. Mavericks, do you no. think the Dallas Mavericks could win the NBA title? No, I like what they did on Christmas, but again, again, it was against the Lakers team minus Anthony Davis. They're just they're a little too volatile. Also, I just don't see them having that kind of steady potential to continue to knock off teams. They could be a, a first round win. I could see them knocking off a team, even a higher seed in the first round. I just yeah. don't see them having sustained greatness throughout the playoffs. They can create they can create chaos, but they can't topple the mountain. I agree. Um, to the heliocentric offense has never really flourish long-term in the playoffs. Sacramento Kings, no, we'll go ahead and remove them. So now we're down to like this group and it's... Why, they, why not the Kings? Uh, I mean, I know I have my reasons. They just don't have that kind of proven playoff experience. What's yours? They're, they're the... I mean... I, I <laughs> they're just it. the Kings? No, the Kings. Like, okay. So like, I want good things for them. It'd be amazing. Like I wouldn't... I would love nothing more than for the Sacramento Kings to win the title. This is also an experience factor, right? That's a big yeah. thing to me is like... It is. This is and and this is how I feel. We'll we'll get to them in a second. This is how I feel about the Pelicans. Is Fox has never been there. Sabonis has never really been there. He's had I think one playoff series under his belt. Yep. Um, and then it's a bunch of young guys, right? Keegan Murray and Davion Mitchell and these type of yep. deal. like Harrison Barnes has been there, sure. And Kevin Herter has had an Eastern Conference Finals run, but the Sorry. the experience on those teams relative to some of the other ones is pretty low. And yep. the other problem is just in what series would Sacramento ever have the better player? And if you don't have the better player, you better be elite on both ends. And the Kings are good on both ends, but they're not elite on both ends. And so like, that is, is kind of the problem. Also, like if we kind of dig into the numbers, like they are 24th in defense, that's, that's an issue. Now the Nuggets, the, the, the Nuggets are 25th in defense. So maybe, maybe by that, that thing we can remove them, but they do have Nikola Jokic. You could say, could be the best player in any but series. you think they can turn it around defensively right i think that's the the yeah. general consensus from the nuggets yeah, okay. well, Same here. so what's interesting about, about denver is they have a top five defensive rating in the first quarter and they're the number one clutch defense in the nba by wide margin um the phoenix suns had 115 points with 230 remaining in regulation at the end of the game they had 125 that's seven and a half minutes of play time and they scored 10 points like it's ridiculous and it drives michael malone insane but this team really does know how to clamp when it wants to when they buckle down when they engage and we've seen it versus a couple of other teams 
their defensive rating is a bit better over the last two weeks. There are positive signs there. There are still weaknesses, and there are things you can exploit like you can with any team. Um, and if those things are not, if they don't find solutions and answers to the problems that are presented, then they'll go out. This is why I don't think you can put the Nuggets as the favorite, like the, right. the clear favorite. You might be able to say, like, I like them best of the options, but you can't separate Denver out. Um, I will remove the Pelicans. I don't think the Pelicans can do it because of the experience factor. Willie Green's never coached a team to the, to the conference finals. Um, Brandon Ingram's never made a serious playoff run. Zion Williamson never. CJ McCollum has a couple of playoff runs, including a Western Conference Finals appearance, technically. Um, he's got the, I will say CJ's got the experience. Larry Nance has been a part of, of deep runs. So I think Larry Nance has the experience. But like Jose Alvarado and Herb Jones and Trey, like there's just a lot of inexperience. And I don't trust those guys. I think that, that what the biggest problem is in the playoffs, we'll see what the Pelicans look like in that environment. And you have to know what the challenges are for your team in the playoffs. Like, what are the things that weren't an issue for you in the regular season that are a problem for you in the playoffs? Right. And unless you've been there, you can't really know. That's why we see very few teams go from out of the playoffs entirely to winning the title, is you have to go through that process of learning what you need to be in the regular season and then what you need to be in the playoffs. So I, I would remove the Pelicans from that conversation. Um, I have a shocker for you. Okay. Uh, I don't think the Memphis Grizzlies are a serious contender. For, for the, the same reason? It's not really the experience thing, because now they have two playoff runs under their belt. It's that they're, they're too volatile, and they only really play one way. They're not versatile enough to attack you and figure out solutions. Um, if, you, if, they can, if a team is able to grind down their pace and keep them out of transition where they can't just run the ball down your throat... Right they're very middling. They're just not efficient enough. And even with the injuries that they've had, Desmond Bain can't be really counted on um, to lift the team that much if a team games plan for him well. And Sunday's a good example of that. Like, that was the game the Warriors clearly wanted without Steph. Like without Steph, they wanted that game because Memphis has talked so much. And they were able to neutralize Bain and Jock couldn't really do anything. And Jaron's not at the point where he's dynamic enough to dominate. So for me, like there are still ways to, that there are counters for, for Memphis that they don't have an answer for. And so I don't think Memphis can be in that conversation. So you're down to basically the Nuggets, the Suns, and the Clippers. And the Warriors. And the Warriors. And so it comes into like, which of those you like? And I will tell you this, um, we have to project health for all of them, right? You can say like, there's varying degrees of health, that's fair. But if we're gonna do this, we I think you have to be like, if they're all fully healthy, or at least if they are if their major stars are healthy and they have, you know, if they have like four Relative or five point. starters and they're two most important starters. Sure. To me, the favorite should be the Clippers. Barely got by a Pistons team tonight. Have not been impressive at all this season. I just continue to look at this team with a combination of Ty Lue's coaching, mm -hmm. what Kawhi brings, what PG brings, guys like Batum, guys like Ivisa Zubac, who's playing great. Um, they have a lot of versatility. They have guys that have not played well this season that can play better. To me, the team that's probably overlooked right now the most and that I actually trust maybe the most is the Los Angeles Clippers with Kawhi Leonard. It's a good point. I, I mean, look, they've got the championship experience. They've got the uh, coaching and the player side of thing. And, and I think that matters a lot. And look, all the questions about Kawhi's health, those get wiped out basically during a playoff series for the most part because, you know, you have rested between games. He can recover. He'll be available mostly. He could sit out a game here and there if they're dominating a series. 
it, it makes a lot of sense. I, I just, I, I've gotten so used to not counting on him being fully healthy and having yeah. these playoff runs uh, aborted to some degree. So I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not sure that I feel confident. I, I but, you know, Denver looks like a strong push right now for me. The Warriors, again, as I said before, but I'm also concerned about the Warriors, like whether or not they have the emotional uh, endurance to go through another finals run. Like they put so much energy into last year to prove that they could still do it, that they could weather those rebuilding seasons where they had those high draft picks and they had those injuries to keep players. Can they do it again for another season? That's it's a really tough place to be. It's something that a lot of fans don't consider. Is that you just kind of see the talent, you see the, the the names on the roster, and you go, okay, yeah, they can duplicate last year's success. So much has to break right. And if they're down in the series, if they get punched in the face early on in the series by a Memphis or any of these other young up and coming teams, can they weather that storm? I don't. I'm not so sure that they can. So it's it's something to consider there. But uh, I, I like the Clippers. It's it's a good name that I don't think anybody's talking about, mostly because of their last lackluster regular season. But they have all the pieces in place that you, you kind of want to see out of any team that you're labeling a contender. Sunday was great to watch the Suns up close because there's a couple of things that really stand out. They have a lot of the organizational stability that you want. Like this is a reason why the heat have been successful year over year over year. It's just like top down. The organizations run the right way. The team yeah. plays the right way. De- Devin Booker goes out. They go to drive and kick basketball. Landry Shamit. And Damian Lee are guys that can step up and understand their role. And even without Devin Booker and Cam Johnson, and I guess technically Jay Crowder, um, you know, they they pushed and had a real chance to beat Denver in Denver. And right. that's a bad look for Denver. But then Denver has the best player on the planet, and AG killed Landry Shamit. And and then they, they got the win. The the thing with the Suns is just I I it feels very much like they're a team that had their moment, it passed. Yeah and they don't really understand how to get it back. They don't know how to get that feeling back. This, this is where it gets really ephemeral. I, I break down stats and X's and O's and all of this stuff. There is a there is a, an element here where it's like, you have to be that team. You have to have that mindset and that togetherness along with that ferocity. And the Suns don't have that this year. They're frustrated yeah. with each other. The roster's a mess. They've, they've got ownership of upheaval. They've got all this stuff going on. It doesn't feel like it's now it can. This is the great thing about the NBA season. It can be that season for them. They can okay. find that moment, rally, make a late push, become the best team in basketball, carry that in the playoffs and win. doesn't happen a lot. Honestly, statistically, it's late season performance isn't highly correlated with title success, but like that can happen for them. But right now, from best perspective, I don't think the Suns have that combination that we're kind of looking for here. I agree. Like Nuggets, Nuggets, Clippers, Warriors are the three that I would want to pick from. I would take take Clippers, but I think that any of those three answers is probably the right one right now for who should be the favorite. I was just I was just wondering how much does the Jay Crowder sitting out the season kind of take some of that emotional oomph out of the team, right? Like to have a a key player, a player that at least is part of the 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 emotional stability of that locker room to say, you know what, I have my own interests at heart above those of the team. I wonder how much of that kind of derails everything that they've got building over the last couple of seasons. I think it's more of like you need somebody to provide that and and there's nobody to really provide that right like you need somebody who's got that uh i'm gonna say it who's got that dog in them and like jay crowder for better or worse like he's always barking but he does like he plays hard and he gives your team confidence um and i think that they are 
they're in a place where they don't really feel like they know who they are. Like Mikhail yeah. Bridges is not a superstar. He's just a really good role player. And DeAndre Aiden, everyone's always yelling at, so he can't be a leader. Chris Paul's 37. Like Chris is Chris missed mid-range jumpers off of the pick and roll off of drop coverage last night. And I was like, oh no. Oh, Mighty Casey has struck out. Like that's how I felt watching him, where I was like, those have been automatic for the 15 years I've been watching this guy. Um, God, going on more than that now, 17 years. So, you know, they they need Booker to be that guy, and he obviously was hurt, and that's going to have to be the care. But then you go into the other thing, which is the strength used to be the Suns were so good collectively, and Devin Booker was awesome. And it's transforming very slowly into the Suns are awesome because Devin Booker's awesome. And right. once you're in that zone, you're basically Dallas, and that's not where you want to be. So I say that awesome. about a team that, that put 51 – on the Lakers in the third quarter on Sunday. Speaking of the Lakers, Yovan Buo over the Athletic has, has a column up about La, the Los Angeles Lakers wasting the, the remaining, I don't know, post-prime of LeBron James. We're going to ask the question of, are the Lakers wasting LeBron James? And I'll ask the question, is that their fault or his? We'll do that when we come back on Locked On NBA. But first, uh, I need to tell you a message from Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source from sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there college football, pro football, basketball, and the World Cup. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at Bet Online as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. on NBA, David Ramel, along with me, Matt Moore. David, there are um, there there are not great times in Los Angeles. Lakers led on Christmas Day, were rolling, had it going, looked like everything was good, and then the third quarter happened, and the Dallas Mavericks put up 51 points and absolutely just ran away from the poor Los Angeles Lakers. So now. On Monday, there's a column from Yovan Bua, a tremendous reporter for The Athletic, who breaks down a lot about where LeBron James is this season. And the question of whether or not the Lakers are wasting the final years of LeBron James's career. Um, I think... This quote really kind of stood out to me from the end of the article. At the end of the day, I love to play the game of basketball, James said about how this year has been for him. I'm still enjoying going out there and playing in front of fans, either at home or on the road, and I'm just trying to control what I can control. I show up, try to lead these guys, and try to lead to victories, and obviously there's been times when it's frustrating. There's been times that I've been happy, and there's been times where I've been like, okay, we could do better here, or whatever the case may be, but I always try and stay even-keeled. So the Lakers are essentially holding out on trading their, their two first round draft picks. And I'm not honestly sure about how many of their options are available at this point. I don't know that the Pacers are, are interested right now in giving them Buddy Heald and Miles Turner for two first round picks. The Pacers are competitive. Turner's been great for them. There's talk of an extension. 
Um, the San Antonio Spurs might be an option still, but I don't know that that helps you in any sort of regard. Um, the question is, I think the, the interesting question is not whether they're wasting the end of LeBron's career. And I think they are because LeBron is still great. You saw that in Sunday's yep. game. My question is, who's to blame? Is who is this on? Where does this fall? And I have my thoughts, but I want to kind of get your thoughts on who do you think is to blame ultimately for what may be a meaningless end to one of the greatest careers of all time? It's it's a shared one. And I know that's not the right answer that a lot of people are looking for, but that's usually how things work out in, in daily life. Uh, and LeBron shares some of the blame and the front office shares some of the blame. The, the front office is supposed to be stable enough to veto any decision-making or input that a superstar player, even a superstar generational player of LeBron's stature, might have in terms of roster building. And yet, that's kind of what we've seen work very well since 2010 when LeBron joined Miami, is that that's how you build a roster. There is a way of building a roster around LeBron that maximizes his greatness and allows him to maximize the greatness of the rest of that roster. And Los Angeles hasn't followed that pattern as well as they'd like. They've done the idea of the right move in terms of right now moves or win now moves. And that doesn't necessarily work because some of those moves haven't panned out. Some of those players just haven't been up to the level necessary in order to continue or sustain greatness. They won a title a couple of years ago. So you could say they've achieved the success that they wanted when they acquired a player like LeBron, but could they have been more competitive over the last few seasons? Could they continue to be competitive for the next couple of seasons while he's still playing at a high level? Or at least that's what we expect is that he will continue to still play at a top 10 level. I don't see any reason why he would drop off that significantly. So I, I don't know that any one party has more blame than the other. It's just, this is how you build a team. LeBron expects you to build a team in a certain way around him. The Lakers front office did it, and it just hasn't worked out that way. So that's why I say both parties share the blame. Now, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about it. I think I think you blame LeBron for most of the, the, the fault of the lack of success. You are correct. Um this is we're all trying to find the guy who did this meme that that's what this is look uh lebron went to miami because he wanted to win a championship pat riley put those rings on the table and had him buy in around a foundational superstar who had already won a title dwayne wade had already won and the heat had an organizational culture that riley has like had honed has continued to hone that is built by guys like Andy ellisberg and simon eric spolstra like there is organizational strength there which was everyone does their job right and lebron said yeah but what if i did your job too <laughs> and took his talents back to cleveland because right. I believe he really thought he'd learned. Like, oh, I've won a championship, so I know what it takes. And you could say, like, Matty did. He, he did win a championship. That's true. That's true. He did win a championship. Because of the greatest comeback in NBA history after all of the things that happened. And, look, I, I think that LeBron, like, I'm not a Le an anti-LeBron guy. 
I've been hmm. pro LeBron for the duration of his career. I think that you have you can assess him in a multitude. My biggest frustration is that the conversations with LeBron always seem to be binary. He's either a paragon of virtue or an overrated blow Malcontent, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, guys, he built a school for kids in Cleveland to get them the, or in, in Ohio, to get them the entire way and then pays for their college. That's incredible. His like bikes program is insane there. What he's given to the world, his position as a speaker on social justice matters. He's also the guy, he's also the guy that almost completely lost Kevin Love, that had to get him back under the fold, that has made several trades that were highly questionable. Cleveland, I think they made a series of bad moves that he wanted that just happened to work out because honestly, he was that good. And right. the East was that bad, was also part of that equation. Then he goes to Los Angeles and he tries to do it again. He trades all of those young guys. Now look, I was never high on those young guys. I wasn't high on Brandon Ingram, still honestly not. Wasn't high on Lonzo Ball. I'm higher on him now, even though he's hurt. Um, I always like Josh Hart, who's having, by the way, a great season for Portland. Killer rebounder, Josh Hart. But like they trade all that and you, you go all in for Anthony Davis and you don't really take any sort of approach to like team building. And the Lakers had done nothing. This is the biggest thing that I said. The Lakers had done nothing to have earned LeBron signing there. It wasn't like, I want to be part of a great organization. They had been a dumpster right. fire, a dumpster fire since 2012. It had been six years of the worst stretch in franchise history. They hadn't turned a corner. It was simply he wanted to be in Los Angeles for his production company and play for the Lakers because everybody wants to play for the Lakers. And that's fine. But you don't the biggest thing is that LeBron just tried to will this to happen. And it did. Like it happened in 2020 and they won the title. And I totally understand anyone that says that no matter what, it's worth it because they won the one title. I don't even necessarily disagree with that. There are so many franchises without one. How many teams have had great, continued, sustainable success, zero titles, and are not on the NBA landscape? You know, so it's like you you eventually have to make some of these types of moves, um, and you do kind of liquidate these things. But they the story has gone pretty consistently that they wanted Russell, they wanted a third star, and I think a lot. Of, I personally, this is an interpretation, subjective. This is not reported. I think LeBron looked at Anthony Davis and was like, look, AD can't play 70 games. Like, we're never going to get 82 out of him. We're never going to get 70 out of him. You got me, get me another guy so I don't have to play 70 because I'm 38. I can't do this. And so they go, okay, who's out there? Well, Russ. Yeah, let's go get Russ. So they trade Kuzma and they trade KCP. They trade pieces that helped you win a title to get Russell Westbrook, even though everyone was like, this is not a good idea. And then they're so frustrated that they want them to, to liquidate more picks to move him. There's a, hard, a piece in here from Bua where he says, reinforcements via trade would obviously help and the Lakers are still evaluating their options on a dormant trade market. At the same time, it becomes increasingly challenging to justify trading a first round pick if the group continues to struggle. The front office doesn't want to compound its previous mistakes with more win now moves. Right. My question would be like, where do you think you're going? Like it's it's only gonna get worse. So, um, but isn't Atlanta, isn't it doesn't that Westbrook trade kind of seem like a microcosm of what I was saying? Like it, it's LeBron saying I need a third star because I'm no longer that player and AD's not gonna be healthy enough. And it's the front office saying that's a great idea. 
let's screw the pooch on it and get the wrong player that kind of fits the mold of what you're asking for. That's yeah. all I'm saying is that I think yeah. both of them are to, to, to share the blame in this. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and I agree with that point. Um, I think the kind of last thing on it is is this team actually had opportunities along the way. Marcus Gasol was playing great for them. The first part of their 2020-21 campaign, they yeah. were still the best team in the league as a defending champion. And then they got hit with injuries and they panicked. And like AD wanted Drummond was the word that everybody said. So they brought in Drummond and they start him over NBA champion and former DPOY Marcus Gasol. And like they basically alienate and end Marcus Gasol's career. Because yep. again, this is part of the issue. You're either in LeBron's group or you're not. Look at how many guys from Clutch are on that team and how many of them are not good NBA players. That's like fair. this is where I have a hard time blaming the front office, David, is no, I don't no, no, know no. who's running things, the front office supposedly or Clutch Sports. That's fair. That's fair. That that's that that does skew things more in towards LeBron's camp or his decision making circle, whatever you want to call it. It's uh, it's probably more heavily onto LeBron's side of things because he does have such a powerful voice. Not just him, but that inner circle that we're talking about. So it's yeah, it's it's not an easy conversation, um, and he's just not that good enough either, where he can carry a bad roster the way he did earlier in his career. He, he's just he's he's just he's not. I mean, he's not as capable. It. it more teams understand how to limit what he can do, and and he's older, and he's he's you know struggling with injury for the first time in his career. So that's uh, that's a, a difficult pill to swallow. And and look, he's making the transition now. So I I don't think they're going to win a championship this year, as we talked about earlier. I don't see him winning a championship at any other point in his career. So to say that they've wasted it, I mean, you could make you could change the question and rephrase it and say, are they wasting Anthony Davis's prime again? They won a championship. But knowing now that he's playing as well as he does, and yes, he's going to miss time. I know a lot of Lakers fans are frustrated that they're getting this kind of performance from AD and that they're not able to capitalize it, that they weren't able to make the right moves. And and maybe that requires them to make those win-now moves that Bua was talking about in his piece. But, I mean, I don't know what else the option is. You know, you don't know what's going to happen five years down the road. Sacrifice whatever draft picks you have to for the immediate success that you might be able to achieve this season and beyond that. This is unrelated. I just have a question for you as a Heat guy. All right. Um, okay. Are they going to retire his jersey? Uh, yes. That's good. Because that I was. Think so. I will still maintain that that is the best I've ever seen him. And honestly, it is it's, by a far. The, it's a credit to the Heat organization, honestly, that they not they not only withstood the hurricane force winds that come with him, yep. but they managed to survive after and thrive. Right? Like it's 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 I a stability. I have a lot of respect for the organization. You said it it best. I mean, everybody talks about heat culture as a branding thing, and it's a pain in the ass, and I I I hear the jokes all the time. The accountability, the structure in that organization, you have people, like players join that team, and they're like, I I talk to guys that have been here 15, 20 years, because that's just, like from marketing, PR, there's a stability there. The same staff that was there when Pat Riley joined in 1995, still there today in 2022. That matters. Let's wrap it up for Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to tune in tomorrow for Jake Madison and John Corrales. And stay with us all throughout the week for more coverage as the NBA season rolls into the new year as we get into the meat of the NBA season. Thanks for joining us. You can follow David on Twitter at DRamil13. I'm Matt Moore. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked On NBA. 